3: T-H-E-C-O-R-N-E-R. Terms and conditions apply.
1: What up, everybody? Another week, another episode of the Corner Podcast. You already know, Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale, in the building. No traveling so far this week. He is well-rested. He's back in Vegas, lounging up. And that's because we had the UFC fights this past weekend. We were both there. Chilling, you know, he's a roll up for me because he thinks he's fancy now. So he got the, that prime seat. People noticing him on TV. But, you know, I was in the building. So that was a fun weekend. We got hip hop to talk, pro wrestling because we just had a New Japan card. We have WWE card coming up a ton on that front. We have a little boxing finally for the first time. Man, it's Manny Pacquiao, but it's still some boxing. So we, we have a packed show today. Oh, man, Andres, how are you feeling, man? It's, you don't have the jet lag this week. You should be nice and fresh.
3: Yeah, no, man. I got to fly back to New York on uh, Sunday. So, yeah, I'm getting my rest in, and then I got to cover this Pacquiao fight, and then it's off to New York. So, I'm all right.
1: How's the daughter letting you sleep?
3: She's not. Well, no, she's <laughs> sleeping a little bit better.
1: It's not, you know,
3: it's not. She's still not. She don't care. Like, she's just... <laughs> She's just in her own world. Like, she doesn't care what, what daddy's got to do. She don't care what mommy's got to do. Like, my wife is tired as hell. I feel bad for her. Like, I'm going to be gone for another four days, so she's going to be alone with my daughter, and my daughter just... She don't she just doesn't care. Crazy.
0: <laughs> That's
1: the beauty of parenthood right there. I'm telling you, yeah. y'all got y'all got time, man. One more. One more before no, we no, stop man. this train, man. Just let's knock out one more. Why not? Let's get a, a, a little A. A junior.
3: I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> the more... Everybody says it, like, when's the next one? And I'm like, like, yo, like, I keep saying, if this one don't go to sleep, like, my daughter can do, it's crazy, because I've just been boasting about dumb shit, but um, my daughter can, like, do, like, she thinks she's doing magic tricks, and she's not two yet, and she, like she'll say, like, you know, where is it? And she'll hide it, and she'll blame it on somebody else and hide the hand. Like, she's she's 21 months, and she's doing this shit, but she won't sleep.
1: <laughs> yo, the acting class is telling you, bro. I, I've I seen it. I've seen it. She got it got it it yeah. starts early might as well she could be like the next little huxtable baby you know <laughs> my, minus the cosby controversy you know she could be the good version of raven small
3: yeah i mean people i got approached at the grocery store some dude said he was an agent and was like hey i want to get your daughter on tv and i was like i don't know who you are yeah so.
1: be like, bro i got enough of those but i mean yeah. you really should pull the trigger all the people you know with shows and stuff like that somebody needs a baby
3: yeah, man, and my homies are getting nominated for Emmys, man. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, we're going to talk about that here in a second. The black representatives on the Emmys list were strong. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it, just head to Andres' Twitter. He tweeted it out. Um, man, it's looking good out there right now. I wanted to start the show out with something I don't understand, though. Maybe you got your ear to the streets. You know, your niece and nephew is always over at the crib. They kind of, you know, keep you fresh and hip. What is this Drake dance that's going around? I don't uh, understand Shiggy. it.
3: <laughs> well, first of all, it's funny because like that song "In My Feelings" was like a, a song that I just skipped whenever it came on, but now it's like it's like the song. So a dude, a dude named Shiggy on Instagram <laughs> created a dance for it, and uh, it just it became the, the "In My Feelings" challenge, and now everybody's doing it. Will Smith shut it down. So like after today. Anybody that wants to do this, y'all should quit because Will Smith, who is now the king of social media, absolutely shut this shit down. But yeah, yeah, someone messed up
1: showing him how to use Instagram. Yo, they blew it. Like, it's one of those things.
3: And somebody said this to me the other day. It's like when you realize how many stories you have to tell, then like because that's what he's been doing a lot of times. Those Fresh Prince stories are amazing. It's like then you realize that there's another chapter of your career. And, like, Will Smith has this other chapter of his career that I don't know what took him so long to tap into, but I guess things that he took for granted, like access in in his life, we want to hear about. And he uses social media. He's become, like, the king of social media. And I I love it. Like, at first, I was like, this is corny. But then every time I watched him, I was like, yo, forget the motivational stuff. I'm not a big fan of motivational stuff. That's just me. But everything else, phenomenal.
1: People love the motivational stuff, too. But it's so funny you say that because I tell you that all the time on this very podcast. Like, yo, Dre, let's share this. Hey, what do you do here? You'd be like, nobody wants to hear that. Believe it or not, everybody wants to hear that.
3: Yeah, I guess you're right, man. I, you know, you know, when we have <laughs> more time, we'll do we'll do more story times on Dre's because yes, there are some stories. There's a lot of things I always forget about. Um, I get reminded, like every every now and then, by somebody's like, you remember that time? And I'm like, oh yeah, and those are interesting stories, but. You know, it's it's easy to say for me, like, it's easy for me to be a therapist for somebody else, but if somebody tells me what I need to do, I'm not really hearing it. Weird.
1: <laughs> Yo, we're going to start a show one day with just BET, Andrea's stories.
3: Dude, and it's only 365 days of BET, but there are so many stories. Hip Hop DX has their fair share of stories, too. Um, a- Anthony, AJ Springer on uh, Twitter, he worked there with me. Um, he's He's been party to a lot of that bullshit, but... Uh, Man, yeah. I saw the industry from ways that, that people, like the they, they, things don't happen anymore. Like the way when I was in the industry, because there was no social media like that. You know, it was like MySpace when I was at DX. So it was like you could still, people were still doing wild shit, but especially like in high school and all that stuff. But, you know, again, one day, one day, somebody got to pay me some money to tell these stories.
1: So now you're like the old man, though. Now you're back in New York, you're moving it around. You're kind of back in the industry. People are seeing you like, yo, let's chill, come through, blah, blah, blah. And now you're from like the old man perspective. It has to be crazy.
3: It is. Um, yeah, I mean, it's weird because like when I went to New York last time, you know, everybody because I hadn't been in Manhattan since I was at BET and it was like all, all of my folks was just like, yo, let's go hang. But it's like, I don't have time. And it's, it's a weird thing. It's like, I just I really didn't have time to, to hang out with anybody. It was like get this work done and go back to the hotel it's gonna be the same thing this week we have a big press conference on uh tuesday and uh yeah man it's just it's being a grown-up man being a grown-up in this industry it's not no more you know hulkamania running wild so gotta, gotta <laughs> chill out
1: yeah all right terry Belen. uh so this drake dance it's the shiggy challenge you mentioned uh Everyone's doing it. I, I feel like the Fresh Prince just took it up a notch. I feel like we're going to see a lot of young whippersnappers like doing it in random places now. Because now they're like, "Oh, we got to top Will Smith. Like he did this on top of a bridge." Dog, like we're going to see like two- people doing like the shit while cars are moving.
3: Listen, if this turns into the 2018 version of planking, I'm out.
1: I'm I feel like we're headed that way. How long up. until we see a fire fighter land a knockout and do the shiggy challenge?
3: I mean, they're already doing Fortnite dances. Like, my nephew sees me like, oh, that's on Fortnite. And I'm like, no, that's actually Napoleon Dynamite, but I get it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's 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 bound to happen. It should happen in, in – well, it probably won't happen this weekend, but it's coming soon. Somebody's going to do it. Yeah, Somebody when
1: does MVP fight again?
3: Because, you know, he's always uh, good for one. Next, yeah, they haven't booked his next fight yet, so we'll see. Whatever the trend is, I'm sure he'll be doing it.
1: Yeah, that's that's always crazy. That brings me to another thing. Oh, Drake had a milestone this week. Uh, Passes the Beatles for, like, most number one debuts. Ho-hum. Once again, it's this age of media and music. So I don't know how to judge it because, like, with streaming and everything else, it's so much different. Word of mouth, accessibility. It's like, yeah, he passed the Beatles, but to get music from the Beatles at that time was astronomical.
3: Yeah, it, you had to make an effort. It just like the fact that Michael Jackson sold so many albums, you had to make an effort. And music was more expensive. Like, if you think about it, everybody talks about, like, apps and everything. You got to pay for Netflix and Hulu and, and iTunes and Tidal. But every week, I was spending $15 on a CD at one point in my life. Like, every week, minimum $15 on a new CD. So it was like, and that and that you had to actually leave your house, go to the store, and buy the damn album. So, like... Yeah, it's much different when you can sit at home and the album drops at midnight in this library endless catalog of stuff that needs to go. It's 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 much different time. I don't think we should be gauging it that way, but Billboard obviously can't figure out another way to do it, so here we are.
1: Yeah, so every record will just fall sooner or later. Um, Drake's just the latest example. We see, you know, Cardi B doing numbers, no women no female hip hop stars done before. And you run down the list and you're like, What? Even though Queen Cardi, BX, shout out all day. Big ups to her. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, it's like, eh, should she really be breaking these records a year into the business? No. Two years into the business? It's everything just seems inflated. Um, naming her kid culture was also a big thing on the internet, which I'm for any weird name with a K. I, I'm,
3: yeah, I'm down with I that. it. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Some some names, it's like, I guess some people don't necessarily think when their kids get older, though. Like, what? Like, okay, I have a friend who <laughs> named his daughter, <laughs> daughter Alizé Cristal. Oh, we Lord. Yeah, we were 16 and we were young. Not necessarily, I mean,
1: now... Did your like, friend have a, a baby mama? Like, was there no one else with guidance around?
3: No, I mean, it's him and his girl. Like, they were together for a long time, and that's the name they came up with. We were, I mean, shit, I think he was 15, and she was 16 or 17. Um, Yeah, that's the name they came up with. It. And I was just like, as you get older, was like, damn, you named your daughter after not one, but two lickers. But it's like, all right, you got to be careful about these names, but maybe it doesn't matter as much as it once did. I know people look at resumes and still look at names and be like, yo, Deshaun, no thank you. Laquan, uh-uh. They, they do it. It's just the way it is.
1: I almost tell you my name was almost Laquan. It was almost Laquan. Whoa. So I dodged that bullet. Yup. My dad was really <laughs> into some early 90s New York shit or late 80s New York shit. And Laquan. was like L-A-Q-U-A-N. Yeah, that would have been all bad. This podcast would have been Laquan Dansby and old man Andres head.
3: Yeah, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You. Needless to say, I would not have been on this podcast. You would have looking like, yo, who is this dude? USC wouldn't have credentialed me. Let's just let's just be real. That's that's not happening. Uh, so looking at that in the big picture, did Drake beat Pusha T? Did he win the battle in the big picture? Because it seems like now he's had a number one album without a response to the diss track. Number one album, uh breaking beatles records on billboards the biggest dance in the country and no one mentions Pusha t
3: no i mean no he didn't win the battle he just i mean it's the same thing in my opinion i never thought cannabis lost to ll but ll was perceived to be the victor by most because he was more popular so you know i mean drake he's he's a winner in life because he's rich and he makes music for everybody but in this particular battle, he still lost. I mean, he didn't respond. Again, I, I get all the reasons why. Like, I'm not one of those. I think it was absolutely necessary he could have responded because that thing could have got really ugly. But, <laughs> you know, as far as the battle is concerned, you don't win by outselling your opponent unless that's the goal from the beginning. If Pusher came out and said, I sold more records than you, then, yeah, you... He would have lost, but that wasn't what this battle was about.
1: Like the 50 Cent Kanye beef? That really wasn't a beef? Yeah, that wasn't a beef. That was
3: just a publicity stunt for two dudes to get paid.
1: Yeah, that changed everything.
3: Yeah. That's the day
1: people started caring about numbers.
3: Well, yeah. people cared about numbers before, but yeah, it, it became a whole new thing where everybody was trying to sell a ton of records. Yeah. Uh, first week, That's when first week numbers became like a really big deal.
1: Yeah, because before it was just whenever you hit platinum.
3: Yeah, it was like, oh, yeah, he went platinum. But, yeah, first that that's that was the key. First-week numbers became like... That was like all new stories were surrounding first-week numbers.
1: And you were at DX? Uh,
3: at that time, I think that was at what? Yeah, yeah, I was at DX at that time. So that's what it was all about. Every oh, week. Man. I got the Billboard thing. It was like, what's the first-week numbers? Who gives it... Like, we wrote who went platinum or who went gold. But, yeah, first-week numbers, like, drove
1: traffic. That's crazy. Uh, changing the game. So, yeah, I don't think Drake won it either but I see like a, a growing momentum. There's a contingent believing that Drake has the one up because he's accomplished these things. Cause Pusha T quote unquote, wasn't able to end him or stop the shine or stop the career. I was like, that's not the point of battling. Like you, you don't have to end someone's entire career or like even like dampen their buzz. Like to that point then Meek Mill didn't lose to Drake. If that's the criteria, because Meek Mill, we thought, like, damn, this is really going to put a damper on his career. But Then he went to jail, got hotter than ever, you know, a couple rich white people, backed him, and now he's huge. Again, bigger than ever.
3: Yeah, see, and that's the weird thing about the industry now, because once upon a time, it was about ending somebody's career and making sure they don't come back. But like I said, if, if Rick Ross can get back past the fact that he was a corrections officer, lying about slanging dope, you can get past anything.
1: that's the bar so that's the bar we set like your rick ross rick ross was a corrections officer and not selling drugs so we good anything under that you're all right pretty much that's bananas um let's move on to the emmy noms because we touched on it a little bit earlier uh we talked about it last year we were surprised uh gambino won last year or excuse me donald glover for acting purposes uh nominated again twice this year um Netflix surpassed HBO for total number of nominations uh which ever had everyone talking it seems like you know HBO was just that gold standard for a while with original content now we're seeing HBO the Netflix is the Hulus all of these places getting nominated um what's the biggest shift this year or is it you know the number of black actors and directors and producers nominated What's the biggest thing that stands out?
3: I mean, it's that. I mean, the industry is... Uh, it's black season. It's still black season. Sooner or later, it's going to end. But um, black season is in full effect and the, and the fact that we're seeing... so it's, it's not even the fact that we're seeing just African-Americans on television. It's we're seeing the dynamic and this diverse... Uh, this diverse diversity of African-Americans on TV, the differences in Atlanta versus Insecure. It's not like the 90s where it was all like gangbanger movies it's like there are a ton of different walks of life for african-americans so it's pretty dope man it's pretty dope to see it's it's dope to see cat
1: williams get nominated for alligator man like that's crazy Uh, (laughs) oh which i was so surprised about but i mean that character was so funny but it was it's a short character
3: i mean it was yeah it was a short character but it was so impactful in that episode and it carried so much weight throughout the season this past season of atlanta i know a lot of people early on didn't get it but that was some really, really good television. It was better um, than between the first that. Season. Yeah, I mean, it was two different. It was com- totally. Completely it different. was a completely different. Sh- yeah, it was a completely different show. Between that and the second season of Glow, holy shit! The second season of Glow is so good. It, I, uh, it might be my favorite show. I have right
1: a four day weekend and I'm just diving straight into it. Cause... So
3: it's gonna take you like two and a half days to watch it because it's like thirty minute episodes it's so so good and I'm not even saying that just as a wrestling fan who grew up watching glow like my mother worked at the Riviera where they used to record glow and I went to like a couple as a kid um and this is funny thing was I didn't even know my mom worked at the Riviera my grandmother used to just take me it's a long story but um <laughs> yeah really long story but yeah the Riviera and glow like I had a, an attachment to glow as a kid but this show is so good the Allison breed like I mean, those who remember Awesome Kong or Karma in WWE, she is great in this show. as Welfare Queen. Oh, man, so good. It is so good. Y'all have to watch it.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to dive into that. And, yeah, just seeing all the nominations and stuff nominated, two people not nominated that really have me tight. Jesus and Mero. how do they get snobbed? Man, I don't
3: know, man. I mean, like, I guess it's still, it's still kind of like... A niche show, I guess, that feels like it only hits a certain demographic because it comes on at late night. It's not as big necessarily as those other shows. But, I, dog, you, you can't argue the impact of Jesus and Mero and how quickly they came on the scene and just completely just dis- obliterated everything in their path. It, it was appointment television. It made watching TV like necessary at night.
1: Yep. Watching it, streaming it, like the gifts created for it, the memes, it rose that entire platform. I didn't watch Vice. No one was watching no. Vice.
3: And nobody will now that they're gone.
1: Yeah, and it was just like it was the reason to watch that channel. Um, Big Mac says all the time. Big Mac used to go home and be like, no, no, hold on. It's Jesus vs. Meryl time. Busy as hell, doing tons of radio, all this stuff. Stop everything he's doing to watch Jesus vs. Merrill at night. And there was a lot of people like that. It was so real, so genuine. Um, you know, being from New York, being in New York a ton, everything they talked about, they – they were able to branch out and become mainstream, but their content was still New York based. They're right. talking about Fordham Road, like it, it was crazy to see. Um, man, so I can't wait for them to be on a bigger platform. We'll see it about next year, but yeah, they need to stop hating on that. One, that, and us getting a podcast award is going down. I know you hate awards. I don't care. I'm pushing the movement. You're the worst person with awards. Is it ever your goal? You, you are so yes. weird. Like with any type of notoriety, but like, i don't care man
3: no. no i don't i don't care like i I guess it's because I used to care at one point when I was younger, I used to care, like I used to care what was going to be on my tombstone when I died, like I used to care about all those things, and at a certain point i just i just stopped caring I feel
1: like that's a big thing to care i feel like that's that's a reasonable thing to care about
3: yeah, but to to me like I mean, it's just the way I move. It's just, I, I really don't care. I got to the point where, especially now that I have a daughter, like, I really don't give a shit about what people think of me on the outside. Like, it's about getting the job done, having integrity. And I realized that, you know, if you appeal to the masses... Okay, I'll put it like this. Drake makes mindless music, right? It's enjoyable, but there's not a lot of thought into it. But the masses are going to remember Drake for what for that part of his career. Yeah. But it's, that's never my goal. Like, I never wanted to... Set, like If I was a rapper, I wouldn't want to sell a million records. I want to actually affect people with my music. And those who are affected by my music, I'm, if it's 10 people, I'm happy about that. I don't need an award for that. You know what I'm saying? I, if, if somebody ever tells me what you do affected my life, that's more important than getting some award. That, don't get me wrong. I appreciate the award, but that's all I want to do, man, is affect people's lives and influence people to do things. I don't give a shit about a goddamn award. That's, the- that,
1: that is a beautiful old man rant. I love that. I hear the passion behind that, but we're going to get you a damn award. Something. Listen, Ariel's on ESPN. MMA awards ain't giving Ariel nothing. I I will write in every day and get the sporting news something. Don't play (laughs) me. I will ballot stuff. I'm a Yankees fan. I am good at ballot stuffing. I will vote every day. Yeah, wait until you see Giancarlo Stanton in this all-star game. Wow. This is what we do. So, we're going to get you this award. Mark my words. Um, Talking about that ballot stuffing, fixing things, brings me to my general overview point of this week's podcast, and we said it on Saturday when we were both right next to each other for the UFC fights, and at the end of the night, you look over, and it's hard to think, everything is pro wrestling. Indeed. Everything, everything, everything. And it's incredible to realize, and that was kind of like the theme of our weekend. I was like, you know what? We can't go to the New Japan show. Uh, we talk about WWE riding all the time, all this stuff. This is probably the least we talk about WWE at an MMA event, by the way. It wasn't even on our mind. We didn't really talk about it. And then guess what? Boom! Pro wrestling smacks us in the face. So before we get to UFC 226 and its pro wrestling aspects, there's a kind of a bigger beef heel face, dare I say, in MMA right now. Dana White versus Brendan Schaub. You just wrote about it, sorry, your article. And everyone's talking about it on Twitter and MMA community. Eskimo Brothers damn near might be trending by this point. Shout out to the league. Um, it's crazy to see them go back and forth in such a public arena. Is this good or bad for the UFC? Dana White's the boss. It has to be. There's no middle ground. As no, I, a I mean, boss, no. is it good or bad? Can you do this as a boss? You are now a mm. boss. You, we talked about yeah. last week, you can't just go wild out um, uh, Mike Perry. Like there, There's certain things you can and cannot say in public.
3: Yeah, I mean, okay. So in the case of Dana White, like he's completely out of bounds. Like When I was editor at Hip Hop DX, when I was, editor of, Hip-HopDX, when I was editor of any of the sites that I worked at, my, my biggest thing was to never respond to the comments in the comment section. Because like, you need to be above that. Once you lower yourself to that level, you're essentially a peasant. And you're essentially one of them. And it's open field because everybody's going to shit on you. So <laughs> as, as a 49-year-old man, to engage in an argument with a, a former UFC fighter who got cut, um, who's making a decent living, even though I'm not a fan of what Brandon Schaub does when it comes to boxing, the the man is making a better living outside of the UFC than he was inside of it. Yeah, I mean, because he all supposed to his
1: brain cells inside. It, yeah.
3: So to argue with him on Israel Adesanya's instagram page it's absolutely out of bounds and ridiculous it means that dana white like you should have better things to do than to be arguing with somebody on instagram more importantly, like you got business to take care of and it's like when you stoop to that level man it's open it's open field but that also proves that dana white has this massive ego that like we'll talk about it. he buried francis and after after that <laughs> terrible fight at ufc 20, 226. as a promoter when you're burying your own fighters that's not good
1: business no nah, you're it's hustling a- backwards
3: He's not practicing good business, and even though like people might find it entertaining, it's just it's like you don't need to do that, man. Like you really don't. Like who cares about Brandon Shaw? Like like dog, y'all cut him. I don't look for people like people that I fired over my lifetime. I don't go back looking for them to diss them. I don't. I leave them alone. Like why? Why are you gonna go back to that? So Danny should have left that shit alone. And now now Brandon Shaw looks just he has the upper hand.
1: Yeah, I mean once you fire someone, you're kind of. Always in the upper position. Like, what What do you have to say to them? Like, anything they say, you just be like, okay, I fired them. Like, this is why they're saying it. And his critiques weren't wrong. No, they weren't. It's not like he was lying on you. Like, just keep quiet. Like, you're just bringing attention to your flaws by trying to defend them. Like, there's no defense of that. Um, he's lucky. Style Bender, we'll talk about him, is going to be a star as long as he keeps winning. But that's not... With the help of Dana White in the UFC, he's just yeah. going to be himself. And, you know, probably around that time, the, the ESPN deal is going to kick in. It's going to be a lot more eyeballs. And he's going to be right place, right time, right knockouts to be the next star. But Dana White's not helping that. Like, the platform helped that. Like, to to me, this argument, and we'll talk about Brandon Schaub's <laughs> response in a second because that's hilarious. But the, the argument like you said, makes him feel like he's on Shab's level. It makes him feel normal. He's touchable. That's one thing they always said, like, in history class and all that stuff. That was a huge history buff. They're like, kings and kingdoms fall when the people underneath you realize that you're touchable.
3: Yeah.
1: And that you're normal. Outside of that, like, they always put you on this pedestal. That's why you can rule over them. But once you start coming down to their level, they know you're you're touchable. 300 fans, like as soon as you see Xerxes get cut, it's like, oh, he could bleed blood. That was the end of it. Like, you, once you're human, it's around for you. And he's just taking himself down. It, it's going to get to the point where WME, who has no connection, no true connection to Dana White, is going to have to make a decision. He's going to put them in that situation where it's going to be a him or us situation by trashing these fighters by not paying people when they show up for their job, like Brian Ortega, and that shit comes out.
3: Yeah, when that I mean, starts
1: cutting the bottom line, he's going to put them in a nasty spot.
3: There, there's also this thing I want to point out. It's, it's what I learned, because once you're in like a senior position somewhere, or you're the president or something, thing, people tend to speculate how things operate, but they really don't understand how they operate. and when somebody's when people criticize what you do whether this be dana white whether this be myself whether this be you and what you do they don't really understand your job but when you start arguing with them you can't win like you you truly cannot win that kind of an argument like maybe there's other things going on in the wwe right that leads to shitty writing that we just don't know about whether it be stakeholders or whoever like we're going to criticize it but if vince comes out and starts bashing everybody that criticizes him it opens that thing wide open because it means one, we're getting to Vince, mm-hmm. and and two, our opinion actually matters to him. So, like, once, you, like, if people told me at Hip Hop DX, like, I used to read the comments and people would shit all over some of the stuff that we did. Now, the traffic was great, but I used to see the comments. Now, if I let those people affect me, then it would affect my work, and then it would, people might not, the allure of DX might not be there. Like, you have to be. You have to treat yourself like a senior executive. You have to treat yourself as an adult. Like you don't argue with the kids. The inmates don't run the asylum. But that's what Dana does. And, and he's he,
1: been a senior executive for so long, you'd think he would learn. You would think he would. But I Dana, feel like the Fertitas, and, and that's one thing Shab said that I, I think that he might be spot on about. I think the biggest thing the Fertitas did, Lorenzo specifically, is being able to put their hand on Dana and be like, chill. Yeah. Like they, they were the people reining him in. And that's why you see Conor McGregor bringing in Fertitta and taking shots with him. Say, no, I discussed business with him and all this. Like, Dana was running around kind of just willy-nilly. But at the end of the day, when shit had to get done and stuff had to be reined in and business had to be had, you know, Fertita could just tell Dana, chill, let's do it. And it gets done the right way. He doesn't have that. It's the Kanye syndrome, right? Kanye loses his mom. Who's there to tell him no anymore?
3: I mean, it's that like, if anybody watched the episode of Power this week, but well, yes, I'm still watching this damn show. but um <laughs> the, you know, there's a scene where Rotimi, who's now been elevated, is dealing with one of his friends who's now underneath him, and he doesn't treat him like he, he tries to leverage his power by arguing with his friend and telling him that he's the boss. Well when you do that, that friend no longer respects you and' be the most likely one to stab you in the back eventually. So it's like you have to be careful with who you argue with and how you argue, because the fans will turn on you, your fighters will turn on you. Like, come on, man, you got to handle yourself better. Like, I, I've always appreciated Dana White's passion towards the sport itself. But at a certain point, you got to stop dealing with fighters the way that you deal with fighters. Like, And be, become a senior in a senior position trying to uphold your brand, the brand of the company, not your own personal brand. Yeah, and, and the Dana's been brand is it. not
1: strong. No, not right now. And we'll get into the pay-per-view numbers and everything else. It's, it needs pro wrestling right now. And you you see that. Now it's now it's really blurring lines. And if they have anything, they have those diehard fans that's been there from the beginning still. And they're kind of starting to alienate them. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can grab mainstream media. Because if not, some of these diehards are going to fall off too. And they're going to be in a world of hurt. Um... The biggest thing to Brandon Schaub, just complete bashing. Like, this is a hip-hop diss track. This is, this is shots fired all the way around. It's ether. It's every, every dope diss track. He put it out there, but just enough to be like, you know, I got something for you later. He ends it. Also, the last line, also, this is no way Eskimo brothers should talk to one another. Last warning. With the shh emoji. Yo, he hit him with the Jay-Z. He hit him with yeah. the, yo, you say one more thing to me, I'm going to put out my super ugly verse and you're going to be tight. It's yeah. hilarious. The Eskimo Brothers line now, people are like, yo, who did Shop Smash? Who did Dana Smash? It's hilarious. He created this whole this whole thing. And once again, it shows that they're on the same level, right? And it's stupid and it's it's Guy's way of thinking. But if, you know, I go out, and there's a put your teeth on like this. But if LeBron smashed this chick and I smashed this chick, oh shit, I'm on the same level as LeBron somewhere internally. Like he, you're no longer untouchable. Like I feel like he did that to Data White. Like, yo, we're on the same level. You smashing the same chicks, I'm smashing. Like, that's that's the whole point. Like, yo, don't get cute. You you ain't doing too much. Listen, me we smashed the same girls. You might have a little bit more in your bank account. So what? We're on the same level. Be quiet. And he shushed her. That's so disrespectful, shushing somebody, yeah. a grown-ass man. And, man, I can't wait. I hope Dana responds because he can't help himself. I assume he's going to respond. And I hope Shaw puts it all out on the table.
3: Yeah, I mean, it would be wise for Dana White to take a step back because, again, nothing good is going to come out of this. If he continues to argue with his fighters on a public forum, like, you lose. Like, people don't like you anyway. So why continue an argument, especially when it gets really personal when talks about you know uh, uh, Ronda Rousey and CM Punk and Eskimo Brothers with a fighter, it just it looks really bad <laughs> on the on the. I mean, you're the promoter. Like if, if if Manny Pacquiao said, "Hey, me and Bob Arum are Eskimo Brothers," you people would look at Bob Arum like he's crazy. So Dana White's just got he's got to lay off of that. Like you can't be arguing on, especially when you're arguing on somebody else's, you know, social media page.
1: One of something. your fighters' social media pages. It, it,
3: it's, it, there's no reason for that. And it, it's uncalled for, and Dana White took it too far, and now he's got to deal with it. So the best, his best bet is to put his ego aside and not say anything else.
1: What does Jay Prince do? Can we send him to Dana's house real quick? Can he fly no. into Vegas? You know, you just scotch the beef? Probably not. He seems to be, that's, that's his role right now. Um, they could talk zoo for boxing while he's there. I help Dana out with that, because that looks like that's a whole different wild situation. Um, let's talk about the ultimate fighter though. We had the ultimate fighter on Friday, uh, UFC 226. I showed up for the ultimate fighter, ate some pretty good Asian food that they had there. Had a nice little plate, was chilling, had to get back to summer league. Um, ended up being really good games at summer league. So I didn't come back, watch style bender from my laptop. You though sat the entire time. This card style bender didn't come on to 1am East coast time. And yeah. the fights before it, Left a lot to be desired. Let's just be nice right now. We've been talking a lot about Dana and his product. He left a lot to be desired. The people who did stay up that long were in for a treat though. Adesanya, he he looks like he's the real deal. I am and uh you know, you don't want to rush to judgments or be too crazy and step over the line or be the king hyperbole, but he has a lot of John Jones in him.
3: Yeah, I mean he has a lot of John Jones and Conor McGregor in him. Like not from a from a personality perspective, he he's a great talker. He can sell himself. Um, From a technique perspective, he's a kickboxer. He's a lauded kickboxer who came to the UFC and kind of figured it out. He's developing his all around game, Um, and he's the type of guy who just seems like he he's ready to be a star. Um, Just it's just it's a matter of whether the UFC is going to push him or not. Um, he can push himself as much as he wants, but the UFC is always the king of this. And if they get behind it, which it seems like they are, yeah. and he continues to win, I mean, yeah, we're in for a treat. It's just unfortunate that a majority of MMA fans probably went to sleep because the card was paced so terribly and had so many bad fights that it took. It was really a chore to get to the Adesanya fight, who yeah. fought Brad Tavares, who is a legitimate middleweight, and, and dominated him from bell to bell.
1: Yeah, the, the elbow that cut Tavares was just so sick. Like, it, it was amazing, just the short elbow with the lead hand grabbing Tavares' wrist to pull him in close. Just so much stuff that happened in a matter of, what, two seconds to land that blow, which was the changing blow in the fight. Like, it took it from, okay, he's he's doing really well and winning this fight, to, oh, he's dominating it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was a whole nother level. So that that was incredible on its own. The UFC does have a problem with these Ultimate Fighters. It looks like they're going to continue pumping them out and we're going to get finales. So on the finales, they really... There's no intrigue to, oh, my God, who's going to win it? Like, they don't have to be co-mains. Now there's two different Ultimate Fighters per season. So you're wasting these co-main slots. Like, I wouldn't mind them opening up the main card.
3: Yeah, and that's the smart thing. I mean... I get it. You want to do these events because you want to showcase some other talent. We got uh, Sean O'Malley last year. Um, this year we get Israel Adesanya, so it makes sense. But now, because there's really just there's no intrigue in the Ultimate Fighter, the winners. I know they want to get some of the other talent on the card, but you guys have so many goddamn cards. Figure out how to spread them out. Like, um, you know, Violent Bob Ross, like Luis Pena, was, was an exceptional talent and, and cleaned house um, on By the fight. Way, on
1: he wins that if he doesn't get hurt.
3: Probably, probably he probably does win it. I mean, he looks like he has the talent to do so. But that's a great platform for him to fight. Um, but yeah, like I, I, it's they're just really terribly paced. The thing is, there's so much, uh, uh, such a huge gap in between fights for no reason. Like just go to the next goddamn fight. I just I don't understand.
1: Yeah, there, there's no reason to just drag it on. Um, and then having six fights on the main card instead of five.
3: Yeah, unnecessary. Seemed
1: like it added an entire, entire two hours to the card. Um, yeah, but I, I wouldn't mind just getting those out of the way as soon as the main card comes on. You have those guys fight, and then you have three legit fights with people actually signed to the UFC with UFC experience that will probably lend to more exciting fights after. Yeah. So that, that's a change I think we need to see. Um, what's next for Stylebender? Who would you give him? Mr. Rankings, Rankings oh. Committee guy.
3: It's it's tricky because, I mean, like, Paulo Costa, uh, Boracina looked great in his fight with Uriah Hall. Oh, um, he looked incredible. And Uriah Hall may, didn't make a bad account for himself either. So I'd personally like to see him fight one of those guys, but I have a feeling they're going to downshift a little bit and uh, have him maybe headline another card, or co-main event another card against a decent middleweight. Uh, I'm just really not sure who. Because I th- I, 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 they don't want to put him in there with, with Boricina because they don't want to knock off two prospects. Like one of the two prospects. So you have to find somebody who's a middleweight, who's solid. Um, Damn, I don't know. I don't know. Anybody come to your mind?
1: Man, the the top is so veteran heavy that it's hard to find someone. Like, you know, as far as moving up to fight. um, I would like Derek Brunson. Because I think Brunson will strike with him. Brunson could take him down. But I think he's probably the least dangerous of the guys ahead of him. So if he has to move up, I think a Derek Brunson fight is next. I don't want to give him Dave Branch. Um, because Branch is crazy as shit. Gaslam is four, fighting for a title. Jacare, Wideman, rocko Like, it's it's dangerous. And rocko's probably moving up. So he probably yeah. bump everyone else up. Yoro Romero's talking about getting a title shot. Even though he came off a loss. I don't know how you justify that. Um, yeah. But he wants a Cormier title shot at 205. It's like, how about you fight at 205 first before yeah. you get a title shot? Um, Man, but and Weidman's so dangerous. But he's going to have to fight these guys sooner or later unless he pulls a Connor move and just waits it out.
3: I mean, like I said, I don't think they'll put him in there with the top five. You know, Brunson, I believe he's booked for... He has a fight month? coming up. Yeah, Yeah. so so like I said, it could be somebody, it could be like Uriah Hall. You know, it could be a Tiago Santos or Christoph Jocko. Yeah, he has
1: Anthony Carlos Jr. at 227, but it's close enough to, you know, kind of put them together.
3: Yeah, and I kind of, and I'm expecting, um, if not the next pay-per-view, for Adesanya to be on the New York card. That's where I, I expect him to be.
1: Yeah, um, but if not against be- those guys, he does have to downshift.
3: Yeah, like, uh, it'll be like, I don't, I don't want to say a showcase fight because there's still tough opponents there, but it'll be somebody that will be ranked beneath him. It won't be a fight that puts him immediately into the title picture.
1: Um, Tiago Santos was the backup, right? Yeah. They had him weigh in just in case? Yep. That'll probably be the next fight. It's possible. We'll see. Because Santos is 13. It's, it's a guy who's a threat, but not too much a threat. Uh, Elias Theodoro, I think he runs through. But that's also a possibility. And the guy has nice hair. So, I mean, if you have to showcase someone, showcase a guy with nice hair. Wow. UFC uh, <laughs> 226 main card, which looked really good on paper. I thought the card was fairly exciting outside of one fight.
3: No, I mean, this was a good card, man. I mean, 226 was... It was a loaded card. You know, the fact that we lost Brian Ortega and Max Holloway um, sucked, but... You know, I mean, the, the, the Felder Perry fight was very good. Uh, I mean, obviously Khalil
1: Rontrees upset.
3: Of yeah, uh, Gohan, go, go, Sakai. Yeah, Go Yeah, Sakai. I mean, blowing him out. Nobody really saw that coming. Um, I mean, this, this was overall a very good card, and uh, I mean, UFC needs more cards like this, but that are exciting with great matchups. But we don't get that all the time. So you
1: it's know, too many damn cards.
3: That's the problem. Like, there's one this weekend that, that with Junior Dos Santos fighting. It's like, really? Unnecessary the, card, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's just there's just a lot of cards. But, I mean, we can kind of talk about the, the big thing out of 226 is obviously Cormier beating Stipe, um, which I predicted, but I did not see a first-round knockout. There, like, no plan was. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, Cormier's going to knock him out in the first round. But what a fucking – I mean, come on, man. Daniel Cormier, <laughs> like, the daddest heavyweight of all time. Like, this dude is round, missing a tooth, a, a pops, like, a legit, like, I wear the, the knee-high socks with the stripes on them type of guy. <laughs> and just flatten Steve A. Miocis in the first round and becomes the champ champ. Like, it's such a great story. And I know the whole John Jones thing is always going to loom over him, and he's like the Joe Frazier of MMA. But, man,
1: you can't help but be happy for that guy. Drake. I've been waiting for this. Uh, it, it's taken almost a year, Dre, since he got knocked out. Right before. The show right before him and John Jones fought. I said if he beats John Jones this time, Cormier has an argument to be, and he has a path to be the first or second greatest fighter of all time. Yes. You Laughed me out the building. I did. We stand here today, and Cormier has a case, a legit case. There's plenty of hot takes flying around that says he is the second best fighter of all time. First, for some people, given John Jones' records and popping, some people disqualify John Jones for popping steroids or dick pills or whatever it may be, and having two suspensions and everything that's going. Cormier, you know, the clean record, the the nose. PEDs, the know nothing, that matters to people. They can honestly say Daniel Cormier is the greatest MMA fighter of all time. I was right, Dre. That's it. That's this is a year where, you know what, you've just been like, you know what, Kel, you, you are right on some stuff. Shout out to Danny uh, Akase in our group chat, Reverse Rat Pack. Kel Stradamus needs to catch on. Cause Dre, I'm right.
3: Yeah, but he lost to John Jones, though. Your, your, the premise of your argument... To is be old... fair,
1: he... He had a no contest.
3: Yeah. To be fair, he got kicked in the head and got knocked out. To be fair, nobody's gonna remember, like nobody's gonna remember that it was a no contest. Let's be his, honest.
1: His record says such, but no, you're right. Like we saw yeah, him but, get knocked out. No, he got but, knocked out.
3: Yeah, it, it's always gonna be a problem, right? Like, so Cormier is in this interesting position. But he's where, the
1: second. He has argument to be the second best fighter of all time.
3: I mean, and who's number one?
1: <laughs> John Jones is the greatest fighter of all time. John Jones right now should but be heavyweight he, champion if you look at is it. Is he better than George Saint Pierre? Daniel Cormier? Yeah. Yeah. Dominated two divisions. His belt wasn't a one off against a Michael Bisping with one eye on his way out. Like, his belt was in a division he has what 13 wins in. Where the he question. was a champion before in strike for he has two, well, two heavyweight titles and the arguably the two best promotions for heavyweight. Here's my counter. Who's the greatest boxer of all time? Oh, yeah, that's not fair. Sugar Ray Robinson.
3: And and, who, and how many divisions, uh, titles did he win? Like four? Yeah, three Manny, three or four. Manny. Like, he didn't
1: move up too much. He didn't right. ju- dance around.
3: Manny Pacquiao won eight divisions, world titles. Boxing's ridiculous, though, Dre. Like, if
1: they but, fought every but, four pounds, Corbin would have but, ten.
3: My point is that yes, Corm- like there's much credit for Cormier because he also beat Stepaniuc, which is a huge deal, and the only person he couldn't beat was John Jones. But the fact is he couldn't beat John Jones. Now, in two fights, they have to- it feels like they have to fight again. But Cormier is nearing forty; I don't necessarily see him doing it. It's going to be a caveat for the rest of his life.
1: I think John Jones that- fights the the winner of Brock,
3: DC. I don't necessarily think that Cormier continues fighting. That like I- I'm not sure because. I think he's really serious about this March 20th deadline. Yeah, I so, think I'm, so. I'm, I'm, I'm a little weary of this now. Joy Saint Pierre beat everybody in the welterweight division. Everybody that he that stepped up to fight him, he beat him. He also he, lost.
1: Yeah, he to lost someone him. a lot less than John Jones.
3: Yeah, but, but. that run that Saint Pierre had was like it's just like the Anderson Silva run. Like, Daniel
1: Cormier's run was insane. What do you like? Where do we argue? Like, his run but, through Strike Force and then the UFC when he started, those names are legit. Well,
3: here's the argument. Josh Barnett was washed up. Bigfoot Silva was never really that good. When he arrived in the heavyweight scene, the heavyweight scene wasn't that good. The best heavyweight he beat was Stipe Miocic. I mean, hands down.
1: And he the best before. heavyweight in the UFC instead?
3: Arguably. I mean, but is he the best heavyweight of all time? Like, there's so many arguments here because Cormier's career is not done. So, what if he loses to Brock Lesnar? Feasible?
1: No, very feasible. Because the the size metrics—that's why I, I picked him to beat Stipe. Like so, Stipe didn't have any crazy attributes that were hard to overcome. He was smaller than DC for all purposes on the scale. Brock Lesnar is going to be three hundred pounds on fighting.
3: So for me, like for me, there is there is legitimate argument here where DC stands all time, and it feels like, I, I mean, it's, he do, he doesn't have a ton of fights, but he's. Done just about everything you could possibly do, but then the argument is, well, shit, he didn't beat John Jones, and that's why Joe Frazier is never going to be the greatest heavyweight of all time because he couldn't beat Muhammad Ali. But he did beat Muhammad Ali at least once, but he couldn't beat him the other two times. Cormier is one and a no con- is o one and one no contest. You have to beat John Jones to be the greatest of all time. I can't give it to you without beating him. And even if John even Jones- if John
1: Jones popped, so we're not we're not taking into he- account. That he clearly popped. Well, it's, it's
3: it's like the baseball argument. Who's the greatest baseball player of all time? And a lot of people argue Barry Bonds,
1: but... Barry Bonds every- is the... Yeah, Barry Bonds is the greatest... He might have been the greatest beforehand that...
3: The that to that's baseball. always my issue with Barry Bonds. John Thank Jones
1: you. included. John Jones, without any drugs, I think is the greatest fighter on earth. He took the right. just to be an asshole.
3: So It's really tough, man, but there is legitimacy in this discussion. Now that he's a two-division champion, there's legitimacy in the discussion, but it's murky as hell... Because he lost to John Jones, and his career is not over yet. Yeah. And then you look at guys like Demetrius Johnson. I mean, unfortunately, Conor McGregor, we don't know where the, what the hell he's doing to even prove himself to go to another weight class. But if he did, then what would we say about him? Fedor, who had one of the greatest runs of heavyweights of all time, but his career went, went too long. Mm-hmm. Like, he's still fighting. So it's like, it's really hard, but he's in that conversation. There there is there are 10, it's hard to put 10, it, well, you can't put 10 fighters ahead of Daniel Corman, in my opinion. Got but him. When you get to the top five, it gets very like, Mm, where do I put him? Like, yeah, he beat Stipe and, and, and we're still happy about it. But damn, those John Jones losses suck. They yeah.
1: Suck. He just didn't have the, I, I guess, the put your stamp on it, crazy eight fight run. And I'll give you that in the argument for GSP. GSP was like, I have the belt. And this run with the belt after he regained it was like, no one's touching this. And it was like a signature run. It's, um, yeah, and it's, then, I mean, John, John Jones has the signature run.
3: And then, furthermore, it's like, then you have moments, right? The fact that Conor McGregor knocked out Jose Aldo, who was re- widely recognized as the number two or number one pound for pound fight in the world, in thirteen fucking seconds—it's it's hard to beat. And I know people are critical because Conor hasn't fought, but dude,
1: the way he beat Eddie Alvarez is one yeah, of the like, best decisions ever seen.
3: It's like, dude, like. The Conor McGregor argument, you may not like him, but he beat Jose Allen with 13 damn seconds. And then he moved up and beat Eddie Alvarez, who was the champion Bellator and seemed like an unstoppable force at one point in his career.
1: And believe you me, if he comes back, Conor McGregor's coming back to become welterweight champion. Do not let Kobe Covington win that belt because Conor will fight. He will fight Khabib, win or lose that fight. He will talk Papa Dana. It, you know, he'll just say, you know what? I can't make the weight cut, blah, blah, blah. I had too much time off. I didn't feel good. I got to go to 170. And he will get the immediate title shot if Kobe Covington is champion. Tyron Woodley is a tall task. I, I don't think he takes down Woodley. But Covington, I think he he welcomes that challenge. Like, he looked at RDA. Like, yo, I'm ready.
3: Yeah, there's, there are a lot of weird chapters in MMA right now. There are a lot of them. But Cormier, fortunately, is, is the, the John Jones thing is going to be the one thing that's going to hold him back. And it's always going to be that way because even though the no contest, you know that he got knocked out, he still lost the first fight. So it's like, it's, it's hard. It's really difficult.
1: Yeah, it's. it's does John Jones get a pass for being a cheater?
3: I mean, the first that, that time, no. But when he beat Cormier the first
1: time, in general, like in all your does cheating once take away everything? Does does a rod? Obviously, taking steroids diminished the first eight years of his career.
3: And that's the crazy part. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Because and that's I, what I, we gotta look at. It,
1: John. John. Yeah. It, we all kind of assume, and it's always been like you know hearsay or a little more than hearsay, and you know in the back rooms, and it's one of our like journalists hush hush, not so secrets between each other that we really can't write because you can't write shit without multiple sources and hard proof. But John Jones and, and the drug problem, like commercial drugs, like street drugs has been around for quite some time. He's admitted to the weed problem. Um cocaine has been a factor for for quite some time. So Jones has done drugs for a while. Who is to say steroids hasn't been one of those drugs from the onset?
3: It it's again, it's hard. Cigarette Leonard was a cocaine at one point. You <laughs> yeah. know what I'm saying?
1: Like, like I mean like, shit, you can do a lot of stuff. Shout out to the Mets team in the eighties. You do a lot of drugs and be great.
3: I mean, yeah, Dwight goods and like Dr. K. I mean, Dr. K. and Goddamn Darryl Strawberry were high all the time, <laughs>
1: constantly it's like- between innings.
3: So, it, it's, again, it's just really difficult. But the fact that, they, like, Cormier is the feel-good story of mixed martial arts. And he's the guy who you look at should never be a world champion in any division, is a two-division world champion. And it, it, you genuinely are happy for him. And, and people that booed him, you should, like, who used to boo him, you guys are assholes. Yeah, man. The guy yeah.
1: dances with chicken and cupcakes. Put respect on his name.
3: A little embarrassing. But, yeah. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's done what he's had to do, man. And he's got a great career. And I, and I hope his career doesn't end as the guy who can't beat John Jones. But he's pretty much done it all. He deserves this payday against Brock Lesnar.
1: Yo, did Popeyes bring him his bucket? I know he used to get a bucket of Popeyes after every win. That's
3: a good question, man.
1: I didn't know this. We Popeyes is in the news. Pac-Man Jones dropped a bucket of Popeyes to whiff some ass.
3: Yeah, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, yo,
1: yeah. we need an answer from Popeyes. That's journalism right there. That's deep digging. Yeah. me and get his bucket of chicken? Um, then going past that... Uh, UFC 226, we have, of course, Daniel grabbing the mic and cutting the finest of wrestling promos in the middle of the octagon. Uh, A promo so good, it made Vince McMahon walk in to Raw Monday and slap Roman Reigns. Like, this is how you make me money. That's how good that promo is. And came out, called Brock Lesnar to the octagon. There was a push. Of course, it was staged, people. Uh, If you think that was real... The street fight between Undertaker and Brock Lesnar, where the entire locker room had to pry part, apart, was also real. Um, he came out, took the push. His little corner man, who was like four foot tall, tried to stand up and help him. And then they realized, oh, it's a work. And the two stood toe-to-toe Brock Lesnar, of course, in his snakeskin boots, with a full dress outfit, showing that you can always take the boy out the country. can't take the country out the boy, standing in the ring. And... The world exploded. We were all like, What the hell just happened? People were upset that you know fighters were on set publicly on Twitter. Like, how could our sports steep to this level? Daniel Cormier said, you know what, stay broke. Cause you ain't doing this shit, you ain't doing nothing. He's out for the check. Dre, did they play it right with the promo?
3: Absolutely. I mean, come on, man. Like the, the <laughs> that, finest that's the pro wrestling
1: in us. <laughs> yeah,
3: like, dude, the finest moments in all combat sports are pro wrestling. Muhammad Ali's career was modeled after Gorgeous George, who was a pro wrestler. And that's why we love the Louisville lip, Cassius for Clay, Muhammad Ali. That's why we adored him when he fought because he talked that trash and he backed it up. In boxing and in MMA and pro wrestling, like everything is pro-wrestling. Like the drama, the, the spectacle, the scene, the entry, like that is pro-wrestling. Whether you like it or not, is what attracts you to the sport. The reason why the majority of this country tuned in to Conor McGregor, Floyd Bay where it was not because it was supposed to be competitive, it was because it was fucking pro wrestling. It was two guys talking shit to each other, cutting promos on one another. They, they didn't really not like each other, and everybody knew that. But they just and maybe some things went a little bit too far, like Shawn Michaels or Bret Hart. But it was good television, and that's what pro wrestling has always been is good television. Hip-hop is pro wrestling. The greatest beefs are pro wrestling. Y'all can poo-poo on pro wrestling all y'all want, but this is, this is what attracts us to combat sports. Nobody wants to see, let the best man win. Good day, buddy. Ha, ha, ha. I'm your friend. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that shit. People want to see Stone Cold Steve Austin. People want to see the trash talkers. People want to see the pompous circumstance. Randy Savage, Jake Roberts, Mr. Perfect, The Rock. Like, you want that kind of a character. And that's exactly what we got. Brock Lesnar is, is a larger-than-life figure. It's almost cartoonish. He's going to be fighting Daniel Cormier, the dad bod. Let's do it, man. Like, y'all can be mad all you want, but I guarantee y'all gonna watch that shit more than you watch uh, Robert
1: Whittaker and Yoel Romero. Oh, hell yeah. He's give Cormier in that fight is gonna give everyone, like, Kevin Owens and and other just round and proud wrestlers hope that they can one day also beat Brock Lesnar.
3: Yes. I mean, dude, does Brock Lesnar deserve the title fight? Hell No. no. But here's the funny thing. He hasn't won
1: since 2012, right?
3: Right. But the funny thing is, it was made a whole lot easier by Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis shit in the bed. Now, <laughs> well, there's really no number one contender. People say Curtis Blades. Well, nobody wants nah. to see Curtis Blades fight Daniel Cormier. Isn't
1: is Ngannou a rap? Like, it, did, did Stipe take his soul? Is that... Because it seems mental. Like, he it was a be. sports psychologist. Like, he was just scared to throw. And he didn't even get knocked out by Stipe.
3: Right. And that's the crazy thing. Like, yo, oh, you didn't even get knocked out. But the, the reality is, like, yo maybe maybe francis Ngano got pumped up too hard his ego got the best of him he's no good maybe he's damaged goods maybe he's got to go back to the lab and find himself maybe he's gonna be gunshot for the rest of his career don't know that's but, crazy
1: he has the yep. yips like that's what it looked like like you when the pitcher just can't find the plate and he's throwing it everywhere and he'd be like Yo, this guy was throwing 98 mile per hour gas just killing it comes in the next day Takes bullpen, comes out to the field. He can't hit anyone in plate, walks everybody in his mom's. Some people are just done. The yips are a real thing. And I think we saw what could be the MMA equivalent of the yips. Someone who just has amazing knockout power, was just a scary fighter, couldn't knock out one guy, and just has no clue what to do anymore.
3: True indeed, true indeed. So,
1: that was uh, UFC 226 in a nutshell. Um... Time to kind of move on to other stuff because we have boxing and pro wrestling to talk about. But real quick, Cyborg, Nunez, UFC 232. We saw the contract. Does it happen?
3: I hope so. I don't know which date they're going to pick. It's it a long-ass
1: be- wait. Like, why don't you yeah. just do it the October card in Vegas? Like, I don't understand.
3: Yeah, I don't understand why either. But it seems like they both want to fight each other. Uh, it'll happen. I just don't know when it's going to happen. It- the, next, the, the bigger question we could talk about it next week when they if they finalize this. If If Cyborg wins, there's really nothing left. She can retire.
1: Yeah, but there's a lot of more. Like she has to make money. What was, was, she's thirty-one. What is she gonna do? Like, she could go box, but women's boxing is not a cash cow. I'm just saying, there's really like there's she gets no paid money. a lot more in the UFC than she would in Uf, in women's boxing.
3: The problem with the UFC is they take so long finding her a, a, a opponent. There's nobody left.
1: Well, they have but an she, entire Ultimate Fighter class coming in to give her her next opponent. Really. Really? I mean, we saw DJ wash someone from that. Like, yes. That, is uh, no, there any um, other reason for this cast of the Ultimate Fighter?
3: I'm just saying. They're trying to fill out a division, but come on. That's like, I mean, you're just feeding somebody to the Cyborg. There's not going to be any... Because if, if if there was somebody worthy to fight Cyborg, they wouldn't be on the Ultimate Fighter.
1: I mean, yeah, that, that's a fair point. I don't know. There's not that... Well, The worst comes to where she has this. She has the Ultimate Fighter chick to beat up and Holly Holm. If Holly Holm could somehow, you know, go back to 135, find herself then you have a champion versus champion matchup.
3: Yeah, well, we'll see. It, it,
1: there's, there's options. You never like, But this fight is clearly next for both of them because Cyborg has to cash out. Should she aim to be on the same card as McGregor, Khabib, or Brock and DC on the return? Should you co-main that? No. If, just fight, if you
3: w- Just fight where you can. Really? Yeah.
1: I would hold out for the co
2: If would. I was
1: advising her, I'd be like, yo, we saw that this pay-per-view... 226 was the stack card. Cormier um, versus Miocic, dual championship. It might not break 400K. I say you get a small percentage of pay-per-view points on a Connor card and wait for it as the co-main, then go and try to headline something yourself.
3: Her ass might be waiting until 2020, so I wouldn't wait.
1: Connor's not just waiting until 2020.
3: Connor? We don't know when Connor He's on the gym
1: back. in Instagram right now. You don't believe that? Right Who now. Cares? Look at his Instagram. Like, He's sweating bullets. He's cutting yeah. weight.
3: But are they throwing the money at him? He's no, not no, fighting right. without the money. They're not throwing it. Again, if you're fighting on the same card as Connor, I guarantee you that Connor's not going to be sharing his pay per view points with anybody.
1: Zero pay-per-view
3: points. It's like dog, if, if Connor is fighting, people have been eating off of Connor for so long, I guarantee you he's not coming in there like, Yeah, yeah, I'll share my pay-per-view points with, with Cyborg. Fuck that, he's gonna take it off.
1: Damn shame. You give it like a, a half point. Like <laughs>
3: As and why? And why should he? Let's be honest. Conor McGregor's a draw. Like people all buy it. Like Conor McGregor could be the only fight on the card, and people will buy it.
1: Oh, easily. I mean, that's that's the Mayweather card, right? Like, yeah, what else so, was there besides that?
3: Yeah. So there's no sharing.
1: It's a damn shame. Uh, if you can work that though, you take it and run. Um, let's talk boxing then, real quick. Pacquiao returns this week at. Nobody cares. ESPN Plus. What do you mean nobody cares? But nobody cares. It's the Pac-Man, uh, Kevin Ioli, Amazing column about Manny Pacquiao. It's sad. It's sad as shit. Read it the other day and uh, how everyone around him just did him dirty. He's in a position where he has to keep fighting.
3: Yeah, but nobody cares. And I, like, I just followed my column about Manny Pacquiao's fighting this weekend and nobody cares. Like,
1: <laughs> oh, there's a theme to this. Okay. You, you yeah. have a running theme over multiple platforms. But, but let's, let's be clear about this.
3: Manny Pacquiao, three years ago, fought in the biggest pay-per-view of all time. Now he's fighting on a streaming service that'll be lucky to get to 100,000 people.
1: Life comes at you fast.
3: Dog, nobody cares. Like, the illusion of Manny Pacquiao, was, for, for, for me, the illusion of Manny Pacquiao, the wrecking machine, was gone the night he got knocked out by Juan Manuel Marquez. He was never the same again. And yeah. he wasn't acting, to be honest, he wasn't the same before that fight when he fought Marquez at Marquez III. Yeah.
1: People when argue he when he found Manny. God, he lost his bite.
3: Well, he found God and he had his marital issues and he became a guy who wanted to be more humanitarian than a wrecking machine. So he's never been the same. We've been clinging on, like people clung on to that all the way up until the Mayweather fight. And then we're pissed off when Mayweather dominated him, but Manny Pacquiao hadn't been Manny Pacquiao for almost five years. So now we're at this point where he lost to Jeff Horn, which is made worse by Terrence Crawford annihilating Jeff Horn.
1: And the, that was home cooking. That's like... We just saw Darren thinking, Till beat Wonder Boy.
3: He didn't win. But my point is, there's no, like, Manny Pac- like, Jeff Horn had no business going to distance with Manny Pacquiao. No.
1: None. And Pacquiao had the opportunity to get him out of there and pull
3: him And up. he could. So that's what I'm saying. Like, Terrence, uh, Terrence Crawford annihilated Jeff Horn. Like, it wasn't even close. There wasn't a close round. There were close rounds in Horn Pacquiao. There was not even a close round in, in Crawford Horn. Not only, like the Jesse Vargas fight wasn't necessarily exciting. Like, you even go back to the Chris Algieri fight. He couldn't finish Chris Algieri. Everybody that Manny Pacquiao's fought, with the exception like, Jesse Vargas and... Uh, Timothy Bradley. Horton. Yeah, Sorry. but they, like, they've all ridden off into the sunset. Floyd Mayweather, Timothy Bradley, Miguel Cotto, Oscar De La Hoya, Ricky Hatton, Juan Memo Marquez. None of I them
1: mean, were fighting for. You look at Pacquiao's losses. He got sneak punched by Marquez, which was an amazing punch. He was winning that fight when it happened. Gets flattened. Cool. Bradley fight, he was robbed. Bradley got that, he ran it back, he whooped his ass. The um, Horn fight, robbed. He won that fight. The round, I believe it was nice when he almost knocked out Horn. It's clearly a 10-8 round. There's no way that Pacquiao loses those fights. So those are three fights that were decided by one lucky punch and two robberies on a scorecard. Honestly, the man has three losses in his career, if we're judging realistically.
3: Your point? He's not excited
1: anymore. He's not, like, super That's washed, good. though. Like, he could win. I don't think he's going to win. I think Matisse what, what, beats him. Yeah. But if he wins, what, I, I would love to see him fight Bud Crawford. Because you know what? The name still holds weight. It doesn't. It doesn't. The fact that it's on ESPN
3: Plus is the point that I'm trying to. Like, Basile Lomachenko can fight on ESPN. And Manny Pacquiao, who three years ago fought in the biggest pay-per-view of all
1: time, is on ESPN Plus? He can still sell pay-per-views if it wasn't for the fact he doesn't want to fight in the States.
3: No, he can't. The Jesse Vargas pay-per-view did terrible. Terrible. Manny Pacquiao is not a draw anymore because Manny Pacquiao, the, the, the guise of Manny Pacquiao destroying people is gone. Nobody cares about Manny Pacquiao. Terrence Crawford beats Manny Pacquiao. He beat a washed-up Manny Pacquiao. There's a little bit of weight to that name, but like, I think Manny Pacquiao beats Lucas Matisse because the reason why he's fighting Matisse is Matisse is a stationary opponent who is also over the hill who got knocked out by Victor Postel two fights ago. And he's beatable, but dude, Manny Pacquiao's fighting for money. He's not fighting to win. He's not fighting to be the best. He's fucking training with Booboy Fernandez. Not (laughs) good, bro. Yeah. Like, the point is like Manny Pacquiao is Manny Pacquiao cares less about his boxing career than we do. He just wants a check. Manny Pacquiao's not training like he's not a full-time fighter. He needs the check. He needs the check, and and it's amazing the man got paid hundred and twenty million dollars on the downside against Floyd Mayweather, and he needs money. Listen, what? people
1: are arguing. Conor McGregor's doing the same. They're all headed on the same path. But, but, the, but,
3: but Conor McGregor had one ninety-nine million dollar payday. Manny Pacquiao had one one hundred twenty million dollar payday and now bunch of ten, fifteen, twenty million dollar paydays.
1: Yeah, what? man, Bob. <sighs> Bob, Bob, was working magic back there with the pen.
3: It's not even that he had a he had a gambling issue. Like, Manny, like, it's well-documented. Manny Pacquiao's always had a gambling issue. But the point is is that his interests are not boxing. They are humanitarian, politician, actor, singer, religion, father, then boxing. Basketball player. Yeah, like, everything but <laughs> boxing. So this weekend, his talent, like, it, when, when it comes crashing down, it comes crashing down fast. Like, was, he could be old tomorrow night or Saturday night and get wrecked by Lucas Matisse. It's, it's possible. His, his, his unique ability and talent is still there, where he's, he can be a crafty seasoned veteran. But that wrecking machine that, we, that made us love him is long gone. There's no appeal to Manny Pacquiao anymore.
1: Well, I hope he wins and we get the Bud fight, just because I think Bud needs somebody, anybody. Nah, I don't want to no. see Manny
3: Pacquiao go out like that. I really don't.
1: I do. You got to go out on your shield. Nah,
3: I don't, You going nah, to put the I next don't. guy over. That time has passed. Like, he should have did it three fights ago. He should have.
1: The Joe Horn fight should have been Terrence Crawford.
3: Yeah, but now it it doesn't matter. To me, it just does not matter.
1: I think to some casuals, it'll help, bud. Um, Let's talk about WWE before we have to get out of here. I mean, listen, we don't got to talk much about it. We just got to talk about it. Because we have a pay-per-view this weekend. Uh, First off, Raw had the worst ratings ever.
2: I'm not surprised.
1: That shit's horrible. Um, But Roman Reigns is still your flagship guy. Starting the Raws and ending them.
3: Dude, let me just make this point before we start talking about it. Raw and SmackDown are, again, I I think I'm validating my point now about the storytelling is the worst that it's probably ever been. They're so bad, but NXT and 205 Live have been incredibly good. Incredibly good. How does
1: this happen? Um, You have a changing of the guard, but on one end, someone won't give it up. And you can't bully it. Like Vince used money and persuasion to, not not in a bad way, but to, to bully his father out of the company. He saw the change and said, no, I need this. I will pay you off to get the hell out of here. And he did. Um, now it's that, it's that next revolution in life where someone has to bully Vince out of the company and that person is there like, it was very public. It was like, Triple H got control of 205 Live. Oh, let's see what Trips does with it. Yo, that shit's been great. NXT is Trips' like little pet project, his baby. It's been great. It'll have its lows, but he always picks it back up out of it. He surrounded himself with the other smart people his age, and he lets them work. Vince, at once once upon a time, did the same. You can say whatever you want about his relationship with Paul Heyman, um, with Russo. Like he's let other people take control and kind of write shit and roll with it he doesn't do that name like he has the wrong people around him it's time for a change in the guard
3: so you're still blaming solely vince mcmahon so you think triple h will come no in no here? no.
1: i think it's institution like I, I think it's just the point of it's triple h and the people around him and fresh new ideas that helps everything trips touches and it's just true like 205 was in in a wreck Enzo was fired you had no clue what was happening Tripp's got it and the people around him, he's smart enough to let those people be them. I don't think Vince McMahon is at the point anymore where he's letting the people around him run the show and trusting them. Triple H trusts everyone else. You you look at the William Regals, um, who's he just hired the, the guy in the UK to be UK GM. He's gonna do one hell of a job with that product. His name escapes me for a second. But a UK legend to run that, you you look at Bring in Sean full-time. Yo, Sean, come here. You can lend something to these guys in NXT. And his impact on the Adam Coles and the storytelling and everything. Like, he's not afraid to surround himself with smart or smarter people. Morrow, you don't have to go. Just come do NXT. Do this product. He, he, he understands that it takes other smart and talented people to win. Tripp's arguably has made his career off of people more talented than him. And he's known just, okay, let me just play my role. And he's doing that now. Vince, I, I don't think, is doing that on the main roster. It's like, these are the guys in blah, 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 blah. Do this. We've done this for 50 years. It works. Like, no, kid. It doesn't work anymore. Like, Vince, it's time for someone to say, yo, Vince, we got this. Us, as a collective, got this. Um, you don't have to do the day-to-day. You don't have to do everything. You don't have to be in Guerrilla every show. We got it.
3: Yeah, I don't think that matters. I mean, it does to a certain extent. But like I've said before, as yeah. long as Stephanie's there... As long as Stephanie's there and their shareholders, this, pro- this television product I don't think is going to change very much. Well, the
1: shareholders are not going away. Like it's it's but, a publicly traded like company. It, it's done. They've sailed on that,
3: that. But that's, that's my point is that the reason why NXT and 205 Live works is because it's not being restricted by shareholders or public television or nothing like that. It's the reason why Netflix is getting all these Emmy nominations is because they have the freedom to do what they want on their platform where people pay to subscribe to. But if Netflix tried to get those shows on television, they'd have a lot harder of a time because network television is different. Yeah. The rules are different. Commercials, advertisers, yeah, advertisers, advertisers people
1: yeah, putting their hands in.
3: Yeah. So it's like it sucks, man, because it's like it comes at a point in time where it's like, well, what do you do? Because you're going to Fox next year in a, this massive deal. I can't see it getting much better anytime soon. Wow. And I don't see I, it getting much worse. Which I might, might regret saying that. Yeah, I'm just saying, well, yeah, you might. But <laughs> if, whether it's Vince, whether it's Stephanie, there's always going to be a, a McMahon in that role that's going to uphold the values of what the, the advertisers want. Because the fact that it's sold for that much to a network, being as poor as it is right now, says a lot. Because they're not buying NXT. They're not buying 205 Live. Nope. They're buying the current product. They're buying but, Ronda
1: Rousey, Brock Lesnar's.
3: Like I don't know if they could turn it around, man, but like 205 Live and NXT have been exceptional. But, they, but that's me. Like that, This is how I grew up. I was an ECW fan because the fact was, or an underground hip-hop fan because there were no rules. Once you got signed to a label, there were rules. You had to make your hit for the ladies. You had to make your hit for the club. There were rules. WWE is restricted by those rules. And I don't know if that shit's ever going to change. And I hate it. Because everybody gets called up, gets drowned out. It's like your favorite underground rapper gets signed to that major label and either his album never comes out or it comes out and it's like, what the fuck is this? Like Royce <laughs> about When Rock City came out on Tommy Boy Records, people were like, what the fuck is this? We're doing songs with will Ford, but that's what happens when you sign to a major. Yeah. He, had to, he had to go back. Like Cody Rhodes had to go back to the independent scene to make his name. I don't know how the WWE is going to get through this, but as long as you're still selling and people are still watching it, I think we're going to be stuck with a pretty shitty product.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, then be the, the brakes, because it's not going backwards. It's it's only going to keep going forwards. There's only going to be more money pumped into it, more people with more control. Yeah, Because now like, Fox is going to have a say. USA still has their say. Um, don't let, you know, NXT go to FS1. That'll change the product a little. Now they have NXT UK, that'll probably take that spot. There's now like six different angles you're being pulled in. More people with their hands in, in, in the pot trying to stir this thing. So they, I don't know, but sooner or later, they have to recognize that the, the overall product. Numbers don't lie. I understand how you sell and everything, but sooner or later, you have to hit your numbers. And if your numbers are just plummeting to all-time low levels, you can't ignore it. You may not have competition to overtake you, but you can't ignore it. Sooner or later, you got to push yourself and, and raise those numbers. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see, you know, maybe Roman Reigns can be the guy.
3: Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> we got like 15
1: minutes left, so, so yeah. I want
3: to run through the EC, the Extreme Rules card real quick, but then I want to talk about G1 because G1 starts this weekend and we have the card to talk about from this past weekend.
1: Alright, let's talk about Extreme Rules then. Let's run through the card really quick. I don't know what the main event is. Well, you know what the main event is. Stop playing. No, I don't. You do know. Everyone knows. You don't like it, but you know. I, I don't know. It's probably Lashley versus Roman Reigns. Spoiler alert. And it's okay. not an Extreme Rules match. It's nothing else. It's just these two going. Um, I expect Roman to go over on Lashley, setting up another match against Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. And I,
3: guess, I guess that's where we're starting, huh?
1: That's the, that's the product of shitty riding. Yes, that's my prediction. Uh, Case closed. Yeah. Easiest I, fight. I, I, easiest match to predict on this card.
3: I think you're probably right, but it makes very little sense to bring Lashley here and have him lose this match. Um, But I get why they would do it. It's weird, because usually we would bring in the new guy and have him go over on the old guy. But now they're going to bring in the new guy and have the old guy go over on him. So, whatever. Yeah, Roman Reigns. Fuck it.
1: (laughs) So, there goes your main event. Quick and easy. Uh, Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax. Extreme rules match. Uh, I actually expect this to be a decent match. Once again, big people who aren't that technical you give them a good stipulation it should be all right um there'll be some shenanigans i think alexa still maintains the belt yeah alexa
3: retains alexa retains uh ronda will be ringside um ronda probably whatever.
1: wrecks both of them at the end of it.
3: maybe something to that degree but yeah i think alexa retains yeah. um it sucks man i don't know what the hell they're doing with Nia Jax. one day she's a babyface next week she's a heel now she's hanging out with natalia this is all stupid
1: yeah it's very weird um well, she has to be the face to Alexa, but a heel to everyone else. Whatever. Yeah. Um, n- nonetheless, Ronda interjects herself in this match and looks like the star of the show. Because it's on Raw, it's all about Ronda Rousey. It, it just yeah. is. Um, then we have AJ Styles versus Rusev. WWE Championship match, no stipulation. I expect this to be one hell of a match. Rusev can go. He's going to remind people of that. AJ Styles, um, is AJ Styles. So they're gonna have the match of the night. AJ Styles retains. He's not dropping this anytime soon.
3: I agree. I don't. I don't think this will be match of the night. But I think this. Uh, I think AJ Styles will retain a
1: pretty good match. We were Oh, old man, Andres. you do not see the rest of this card. Um, well, I think, I, like I'll tell you what it's gonna be. Okay, but go ahead. But Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt versus the B Team. Is this it? This year, match of the night? No. Absolutely. <laughs> um, surprisingly. I want the B team to win, man. I, I do. Those promos are hilarious. But I, I think this is their, like, one little bit. Matt Matt and Bray retain.
3: Yeah, I think so, too. But I think the I think they're finally going to push the Revival. So I, I fully expect the Revival to be involved in this and get the titles off of Matt and Bray at some point. Thank but God, because not-
1: uh, Authors of Pain has to do something. I, I don't expect the Revival to get the push, but I think Authors of Pain, um, they've been saving them. I think they come out and wreck Hardy and Wyatt when this is done, starting their feud.
3: Oh, maybe, uh, but again, I, I don't know, and I don't care. Anyway.
1: Yep. Um, Carmelo versus Oscar, James Ellsworth in a shark cage.
2: Oh, yeah. Worst know. match
1: of the night. Carmelo loses. Um, Ellsworth throws the little powder shit that he blew in her face last week. He throws it down. Carmelo uses that to beat Oscar Asuka again. Oscar winning the belt, but not until SummerSlam, because the WWE main roster only knows how to do three storylines, and they want us to be sympathetic about Oscar losing. And building up into a champion, she didn't need that shit. She just needed to crush Carmella. It's gone three months too far, but that's what's gonna happen. Asuka's gonna lose again. She's gonna get pinned again after not being pinned for damn near three years, and go into SummerSlam in the challenger's is, role.
3: I don't even want to predict this. This is, this is disgusting. If if Oscar loses again to Carmella, which I I fully think she like, is, you know, just throw the just throw the shovel at her. Just send her back to NXT. No, dude. she's like, gonna be champion. Her. SummerSlam. She's going to be champion. But at that point, I'm, I just don't care. Like I like her being the champion, but to be vulnerable to Carmella is whack. You know it's funny? This card has no Charlotte and I can't remember a pay-per-view. She's injured. Charlotte.
1: She just had oh. surgery. Like, minor surgery. Yeah, I she don't hasn't think been she... wrestling at all. Okay, well, there's that. Yeah, so oh, that'll yeah, clear yeah. up in like a month or two. So, <laughs> she'll be back. Uh, and then we have Bludgeon Brothers versus Team Hell No.
3: Kane takes the pin.
1: Okay, good. I don't think Team Hell No needs the belts. They um, don't. But we're just killing time until this Daniel Bryan Miz feud that I guess they want to save for WrestleMania.
3: Who knows, but yeah, Kane should take the pin here. I, I just hope that they don't start another Daniel Bryan Kane feud. I just, like, Kane should take the pin here. and Brothers shouldn't lose the titles. I could see them wanting to do this, but they shouldn't. The and Brothers should remain the champions.
1: Yeah, I feel the same. Um, Ziggler... Versus Seth Rollins this year, match of
3: the night. That's my match of the night.
1: Thirty minute Iron Man match. Um, Ziggler retains because Drew McIntyre is on the side. Uh, unless someone uh, sooner or later, I thought this feud was built to have Dean Ambrose come back and help. Um, Possible. If Ambrose can come back and, and neutralize McIntyre, then Seth wins. If not, Ziggler wins due to McIntyre's interference.
3: Um, I'm gonna pick Seth here not it, just because I think it'll just be a great match with that. The interference will be early, but not early. I don't think it'll have a bearing on the, the end. I'm just kind of tor- surprised that Drew McIntyre is not the one in the field with Roman Reigns and going over. It just seems like that's where this should be heading. Like Drew McIntyre is, is looking great.
1: Oh, he is money. He was, yeah. he didn't need NXT at all, to be honest. They could have just put him on the main roster. Damn, Samoa Joe's not on this card either. Carry on. Yeah, he's waiting. Um, Hardy versus Nakamura. Shinsuke
3: with the wins. Uh, he should, because he's lost all these damn title matches, so he should beat Jeff Hardy. Um, but I'm not sure of it. I'm actually going to say Jeff Hardy's going to win. His, like, they, they extend this feud for whatever reason. Okay. Because um, there's, no, there's no heat on this feud, really. It just, they just kind of show up and beat each other up. Man. Well, Nakamura you know I mean? got bit by the dog. Yeah. By the police again, dog. That's why I feel, like, like, why I feel like they'll kind of extend this thing, but whatever. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to pick
1: Jeff Hardy. Uh Less than eight minutes for that match, by the way. Hmm. And that's all I'm giving him. Uh, Finn Balor versus Baron Corbin. Seems like a pre-show match. Uh, I'll go Finn Balor.
3: Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah.
1: Kevin Owens versus Braun Strowman, steel cage.
3: I he think just... Kevin Owens wins. Like, there's no. ways to... <laughs> oh, because, yeah, Kevin he could just squeeze out of the cage. He doesn't have to yeah, pin him. He'll escape. I think Kevin Owens will escape and win this match.
1: Okay. Then it elongates the feud. I wouldn't mind seeing him go again at SummerSlam. Why not? And then that is a good match to have for Braun to open up the match so he can cash in later. And then New Day versus Sanity. Tables match. Sanity wins.
3: Hey, I feel like Sanity's going to get the push here. Um, why not, right? Yeah, New Day doesn't
1: need it. Like, really. like They really don't. So, all right. That is the WWE for this weekend. That's a lot of fucking wrestling on one card, by the way. Yes, it is. Um, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Real quick, we recap uh, last week's show. And then maybe we'll do our TV. G- one preview next week. Yeah, um, They were in the Bay Area. Biggest thing that steps out to me before we go through some of the cool matches is uh, Takahashi.
3: Yeah. Um, that bump, I don't know if he's broken his neck or not. It's amazing they could finish the match. They said he flew back to Japan. I hope he comes back, man, because like, if you guys listen to the show, I'm a big Takahashi fan. Um, his, his feud with Dragon Lee has been going on forever. This is not a this is not something that should have happened, but it did. It sucks.
1: But this is this was his year. This was his push. It was. It and was. And that spot made no sense to me. It was unnecessary because even if you pull it off clean, what does it add?
3: They've done it a million times though, so that's the thing. It's it's a tough bump because it's it's like it's like the pile driver, right? When mm-hmm. the pile, when they used to do pile drivers all the time. Like if you do it wrong, you're gonna hurt somebody. And Dragon Lee, he didn't get full rotation on the suplex and threw him right on his head. Um, it sucks. And, you know, there has to be a conversation about some of the things that happen um, to protect these guys. It's like they're, guys, they're
1: almost on a one-year average with losing people.
3: Yeah, because, you know, we lost... Um, I, mean, we, I mean, we're losing wrestlers at, at a high rate. And it, from freak accidents to things that you look at and you're like, damn, he shouldn't have done that.
1: Yeah. Accumulation of blows. Like, uh, what's his face in New Japan? Who we haven't seen since.
3: Yeah. I mean, Shibata. Shibata,
1: yeah. Like, man, like... The accumulation, like they're on a one-year average or damn near losing something.
3: Yeah. And I mean the WWE's not doing any better. You just lost Paige on some freak shit where she can't wrestle anymore. It's like shit happens, man. Yeah. Shit happens.
1: Yeah, so that was crazy. Um, the juice is loose. Oh man,
3: I loved it. Like, I loved this match. Right? Like <laughs>
1: It was a good match. I can't even hate on it. I'm still not a juice robinson fan but man it yes. was a good
3: match you gotta stop hating on juice, juice no is- i don't like the oh. character
1: like you know, he's the male bailey no i'm good i pass and, and, on um I'm, he is he's, like a, he's man
3: bailey but 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 the bigger thing that comes out of this match and not talking about the jr bump is that jay white is a really fucking good heel like oh, yeah he's, he's a really good heel the fact that he lost the u.s title means nothing he'll probably get it back at some point but Man, I mean, the way he played the JR bump and
1: <laughs> the running Barnett, away from yeah, Barnett,
3: like it, was, it was so good. This is a guy who was just a young lion a couple of years ago, and now he's a full fledged heel. And I love this match. I love the way this was booked. I love Juice getting the win. I thought I thought it was well booked. It was well handled.
1: Yeah, they're doing well with um with him. Switchblade. I I think he he has a clear path. Like to me, this is where Omega wasn't like fifteen. Um, when he had the sweeper gimmick, and he was the cleaner and everything, and he was just on that fringe, like, okay, he just got to take the gimmick to the next level. Um, we'll see if White is able to do it, but to put him in position, if New Japan has a blueprint, he's on that role. Um, and then main event Cody versus Kenny.
3: Ah, you didn't talk about Young Bucks and LIJ.
1: Oh, excuse me, Young Bucks, LIJ. Good But ma- well, the Bucks put on good matches every time. What's the last time so bad Bucks match?
3: We don't really see bad young bucks matches i just like talking about them yeah i,
1: mean, I was like come on this is expected like, no, like what do you expect it, going into it
3: they're the best tag team on the planet like, it's, it's just everything they do is just Easily. so good anyway NXT we have some on. good
1: tag team matches um, but theirs seem like plug and play like it's really good writing and booking um, yeah. for their tag team matches no the bucks are just when they got to get busy especially in new japan when they have some psychology they're the best in the world um and then cody versus kenny
3: I enjoyed this match, but it was five to ten minutes too long.
1: It was an average match. Somehow, Cody's the only person that pulls average matches out of Kenny. Mm,
3: No, that's not true.
1: It had good spots. This had better spots than the last one. The ladder spot with the suplex, everything cool, blah, blah. There was some intrigue going through. Um, The selling of the one-wing angel, all this cool. It was average, uh, slightly above average match.
3: Uh, okay. But bottom line is... He's uh, Kenny's worst was... feud this
1: year. <laughs> like, it is. No, it's true. It's, it's, it's
3: absolutely fine. not Kenny's worst feud. He's only in, in-ring. Okay, fine. In-ring. Fine. Okay. Fine, whatever you say. Because, like, like, I said it before, like, before the uh, uh, Okada matches, Kenny didn't have, like, a great in-ring in 2018.
1: He did a pretty good body. showing last summer in G1. Well,
3: I'd say in 2018, not 17. Oh, oh, 18, um, 18 okay. Yeah, like, and
1: it, like the Cody match,
3: like I didn't think this was a bad match. I just think the problem with the match is we knew Kenny was gonna win, and it went five to ten minutes too long.
1: Better or worse than the Jericho match?
3: Um, worse. It's
1: okay, you say it was worse.
3: Yeah, but I mean that was Wrestle Kingdom also. Like you fully expect like the big show, like that that was going to be the arguably the best match on the card. There was no doubt about that.
1: Yeah, I just feel like they. I don't I don't know. Cody, though, on the on the mic, character-wise, all that stuff, still big ups to him. I haven't always said he's a great character. WWE, whatever character they gave him, he's a great character. Dash and Cody Rhodes. Like it's just his style, and I can't even blame it on WWE style. His style of wrestling uh just doesn't do it for him. Yeah. But I feel okay. like Goldust what? has like a similar style. Like it's that old school, like Texas down south wrestling. Um, yeah, it's just not not for me. But still, we had a good storyline carryover, uh, Bullet Club. Looks like those two came back together, and we had the OG Bullet Club, aka the Samoans, aka whatever they're calling themselves now. They had new shirts, squad. Firing Squad with yeah. the guns and everything. Looks like we're gonna have Bullet Club Firing Squad versus Bullet Club uh, US, like whatever I they're don't... gonna call it. the Golden Golden Bullets. I don't know.
3: I don't know what the hell. Is. I mean, you have the Golden Elite, and you have the Firing Squad. The Firing Squad feels like they gotta add Bad Luck following. It's the only way this is really gonna work because of Destiny alone can't do it. Um, but it seems like Tama is also going to be in for a big push at a certain point. Um, but I said this like two years ago. He looks like the guy that was going to get a he push Is he g G1? Mm, yes, he is. I believe oh, he is. Oh,
1: might be a sleepy... Hey,
3: nah, no, no. Look, look, real quick. Naito's winning G1. That's it. There's there's really nowhere else they're going to go with this.
1: I think that's how it should G1. be. But, you know, this this little planning is a nice little swerve. it um, Yeah, we'll see. We'll talk more in New Japan next week when G1 comes up. We got to get out of here. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. It was a great hour and a half podcast. Hit us up on social media, at the corner LSN on all platforms. Me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hill. Next week, we'll be back with recapping all of this stuff, plus some fresh new content, previewing G1 from New Japan. And we're going to get an old man Andreas story just for shits and giggles. He'll be in New York, but we'll still make it happen. Thank you guys for listening. For now, we're out. Peace.